It's never been easier to get on the water with Academy Sports and Outdoors. Stop by your local Academy store or online at academy.com today and shop great gear from fishing's top brands like Luz, Zebco, Abu Garcia, Shimano, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled False Albacore out of Oregon Inlet, and we're going to be featuring Captain John Burquist of Drumbeat Charters out of the Oregon Inlet area. We're going to be covering such topics as conditions, tackle, boat position, uh, lure position, and then fish handling and release. So a lot to talk about with Albacore out of Oregon Inlet. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003, bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and in this latest and greatest chapter, the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast series, where we feature local captains and guides, our friends from up and down the North Carolina coast, and ask them to share with us their insights, their knowledge on how to catch more fish more often. But I think our higher goal, our truer goal, is to give you confidence and to give you motivation to get out on you and your family out on the water, spending more time together more often. And in this endeavor and in this mission, I am joined by my podcast partner, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Billy, let's do another podcast. Gary, good to see you, man. If I could find my unmute button, I would be a part of the show. I promise I know what I'm man, doing. <laughs> I know you do, man. I think people appreciate a little less than professionalism. I think it makes us more real. Well, they came to the right place, man. My middle name is Authenticity. <laughs> I like to stay humble, you know what I mean? Sometimes you get a purposely meant. No, I'm screwing around. All right. Anyway, back to fishing, which is why people are listening and watching. And just want to shout out to people who have been supporting the show by being listeners and watchers. You guys are awesome, man. We're getting a lot of great feedback. I know our captains are happy uh, that you guys are interacting and, and asking them questions and continue those relationships. So I thought it was really cool, Gary, that we're doing way more than just uh, producing content, but but really creating memories for people and relationships. So uh, it's, it's pretty cool uh, to, to be able to do that. And really, our sponsors make that all possible. They keep Gary and I motivated and on top of us to create amazing content. And I want to shout those guys out really quickly. We have R.A. Hitch. Uh, they produce bikes, trailers, hitches, bike racks, all kinds of stuff for the outdoorsman, outdoors lady. Um, so if you need some rigging for your truck, for your car, for your SUV, whatever that looks like, go check out Chris and his team. Go look at their website and uh, make the trip to shop up there or uh, Chris does a lot of uh, fishing there in Atlantic Beach area, so maybe you could talk him into delivering it to you. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I might need to ask him to do that. I I, I was going to pick up something when we took the kids to a Raleigh soccer tournament, but during that Raleigh soccer tournament, I had to host a fishing tournament at Carolina Beach, so I I didn't get it. I might have to yeah. meet up with him say, hey, Chris, let's go fishing on your boat, and you can bring the <laughs> luggage rack with you. <laughs> Right? Yeah, right. That's a great plan, Gary, to get a good free fishing trip there. That'd be awesome. I'll bring I'll bring some uncrustable peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'll hold up my end. And, you get but, the gas and the bait and the ice and the boat, and I'll bring <laughs> uncrustable sandwiches. And and while you're at it, Billy told me that if I mention this ad of about Fisherman's Post, I'd get twenty dollars off. So is that cool? Like, yeah, I'm gonna need 20? a discount on that luggage rack, by the way. You know what? Keep the twenty, you bring the sandwiches too. All right, I'll see you at the dock. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. And another great sponsor we had who's been with us literally since I think episode five is Marine Warehouse Center. I get a quick message from them and then we'll come back and poke some fun at Terrell. At Marine Warehouse, we have everything. We have new boats, we have parts, we have accessories, new trailers. We have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water, we have. At Marine Warehouse Center, as we've grown over the last few years, now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water, and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the water. <laughs> All right, Gary, we're back. And, uh, man, those guys, they do it. They, You know, you use them for boat service, so you can definitely uh, talk to talk about that way more than I can. Uh, but they're always supporting the fishing community, fishing tournaments, Fisherman's Post tournaments, and being really supportive. So we love those guys. Really appreciate them. Yeah, man, they keep the fish post the fish post bay boat running and among other things they keep the fish post bay boat running that's part of my relationship with them um they also are they terrell sort of keeps me busy <laughs> and i tell you i think terrell is in decline you seem to still be a fan but i'm not fan. so sure you're going to be a, a fan. fan after today's fish joke by terrell a marine warehouse again this is terrell's joke not gary hurley's i'm merely the messenger. Are you ready? I'm ready when you are, man. I'm excited. I mean, don't be. What happens when you mix a fish and a banker? A fish and a banker? You know, the sad yeah. part is I really think about these and I can't figure it out. I mean, I'll, I don't have much time, but I don't know. You get a loan shark. <laughs> I'm just feeling I can't extra, you laughed at that. I'm feeling extra giddy. I think it was good. Good job, Terrell. Thumbs up from Billy Thorpe. There you go. <laughs> All right. I don't know if he needs encouragement, but okay. Oh, goodness. All right, Gary. Let me show. You want to see a fish photo? Yeah, man. All right, here we go. I got one for you somewhere. I'm missing all the buttons. Here we go. We got Scott Combs of Wilmington uh, with an eight and a half pound trigger fish that fell for a live pinfish. He was fishing 48 miles off of Wrightsville Beach. And uh, I don't know much about trigger fish, but that looks like a pretty good sized trigger fish. That is a pretty good sized trigger fish. It's a pretty fish too, man. Coloration, yeah, and delicious. Pretty and delicious. Well, that's a. It's always good when something is pretty and delicious. <laughs> right. A little bonus, right? Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> is that oh, your segue to manscaping? That's my segue to manscaping, which I'm going to also <laughs> bring up a little discount code. If you're watching the podcast, you can use promo code FishPost, all caps fish post and uh that will give you 20 percent off and free shipping at manscape.com so if you're a hairy old bugger and you need to trim it up go over there get you one of those i got oh i forgot it gary i have one of those lawn mowers the 4.0 that i shave my face with and maybe some other stuff and it works great it's a it's really it's powerful does the trick shave your face second or save your face first <laughs> you know what i might have made the other mistake i may have shaved something else first and then it's like what's that smell <laughs> so... oh my god hey i've got i've got our traditional manscape quiz you're right. pretty fluent right. in their product but here it is i'm i'm going again to slogans these are slogans three slogans two are actual one is not Okay. Three slogans, two are actual, one is not. Number one, trimming the hedges makes the tree look bigger. Number two, it's not just for porn stars anymore. Number three, it's a whole new balls game. 
<laughs> okay, I think the whole news ball game is real, so I'm going to eliminate that one. I think that one's real. <laughs> I hope it is. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with it's not for porn stars anymore is false because the other two sound like something Manscaped would say. Um, you are 100%. In every quiz I've ever given you, you've gotten a perfect score, a perfect Manscaped score. Yeah, Even see? if they don't choose to use me moving forward to sponsor their product, they should absolutely retain you. <laughs> right? Just as a spokesperson, just as a little yeah. ad dude. I pop, I'll be the guy that just pops up and answers the questions. Anyway, so go to manscaped.com. Use fish post, uh, all caps as a promo code, 20% off and free shipping. And you support the podcast by supporting our sponsors. So go do that and be a part of the Manscaped community as well. All right, Gary, what else we got to take care of here? Man, that's it. I'm going to bring right. John on, Captain John on, and we are going to talk about Albacore. And when we're done, I'm coming back to you for Billy's Best Takeaway. Billy's Best Takeaway. I'm going to be ready, Gary. I'm ready for it. All right. Well, man, I am excited to have this conversation now. I'd like to welcome to the podcast for the first time, Captain John Berquist of Drumbeat Charters out of Oregon Inlet. John, thank you so much for being available, for talking with us today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So we're doing false al uh, fall albacore out of Oregon Inlet, conditions, tackle, boat lure position, fish handling release. But as is tradition on the Fish Post podcast, we've got two questions for you um, before we can proceed with the main event. Are you ready for your two questions, Captain John? I'm ready. All right. Question number one predictably is, why should we listen to anything you have to say about a false albacore? Well, they're my favorite fish to fish for this time of year. If we're not chasing yellowfin tuna on topwater, then we're pretty much exclusively fishing for false albacore. I've been doing it for the last five years, um, every day, six days a week, two trips a day, as long as the weather allows it. Right on. It's one of my favorite species this time of year, too. Um, good answer. Number two. Number two is a series of true-false questions. And okay. uh, I, I don't know how creative this is. I played off a drum beat. So the activity of drumming, banging on the drums, true, false. Drumming burns more calories in a 30-minute session than hiking. True, false. False. Um, that's actually true. Huh. According, to according to Google. According Number to Google. two, dr drumming burns more calories in a 30-minute session than cycling. False. They say true again. I don't know. I mean, I'm just going to assume Google knows what it's talking about. And the last <laughs> one, true, false, drumming burns more calories in a 30-minute session than sex. False. Um, they didn't have an answer to that. They couldn't get someone to go 30 minutes. <laughs> so, I, I was a drummer for about 15 years. I must not have been drumming uh, well enough. Well, you look thin. You look fit. Maybe it did. Maybe it worked better than you thought. But our people want us to talk fishing, so let's, without further ado, get into false albacore and conditions, especially with Oregon Inlet. I think that's important. So let's start the conversation there, John. Good decision. Sure. Um, Oregon Inlet, one of the most dangerous, sketchy inlets on the East Coast sometimes. Um, so the, the first decision is whether we should go out at all or not. And so when we have a really hard uh, east or northeast wind, waves jack up on the bar a whole lot, and um, 
pretty much not a good idea to go out on a hard east wind, um, especially an east wind with an outgoing tide. So if you're coming from far away to Oregon Inlet to fish, look at the weather before you trailer all the way down here because get there and it'll look fine in the bay or in the sound. It'll look fine at the fishing center. You get to the inlet and it's just jacked way up. So if all the big charter boats are there at the fishing center, don't try to go out. There's a reason they're all still there. Um, so a nice southwest wind, great, makes inlet like a lake. Um, fairly well marked right now. Uh, follow another boat out if you have to. But southwest, straight west, northwest, anything with some west in it will definitely make uh, for a safer, more enjoyable start to your trip. So there's a bar across the whole the whole way that's unavoidable? Oh, yeah. Yep. And it's about eight feet deep in the middle of the channel. So it goes from 40 or 60 feet deep to eight feet deep in about 15 yards. So we have outgoing tide and the east wind. Those two forces meet right there on the bar and it gets pretty terrible. So I'm guessing we also have to just sort of look at it and what's it going to be like? What's it predicted to be like when we're done fishing as well? I mean, people get in trouble that way. Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely look at the forecast for the entire day. Um, just just because it's nice in the morning doesn't mean it's going to be nice in the afternoon. That happens fairly regularly. So if you do get stuck out there with less than stellar conditions, we try to tuck in behind one of the big offshore boats. They don't seem to mind if we follow close behind them. And at least they'll break the waves down a little bit for you. And what size boat, just for reference, what size boat are you running every day? Uh, just a 24-foot Pair Customs. It used to be Seox. Now it's Pair Customs uh, Center Console. So you don't need a big boat to go, that's for sure. A little bit of a V makes a big difference, though, for how smooth your ride is. As far as conditions go, like if, if Oregon Inlet itself isn't a factor what else are we looking for for conditions just to have the best chance of action when it comes to targeting fault salvacore out of oregon inlet so i really like to have an outgoing tide um for the areas that we fish you know all the bait fish um getting flushed out through the inlet so outgoing tide is the best incoming tide will work slack tide pretty much the slowest to try to go do something else for an hour or two at slack tide. Um, sunny is better. They seem to, the Albies seem to push down a lot when it's, uh, when it's cloudy. So pretty much we're looking for fish on the surface almost exclusively. I, I, you could just turn the fish finder off really for the kind of fishing that we do. Um, so if they're not, if they're not busting on the surface, if we can't find a busting on the surface, we're going to go do something else. Um, and if you are, I mean, I guess if you're fishing every day, then you're going with your own intel. And I'm guessing you have guys you're talking to on the regular. If I'm bringing my boat up and I'm just giving this a shot and I'm heading out of Oregon Inlet and I got some of the conditions you're talking about. I mean, I don't know. Any suggestions for that first timer? Turn left, turn right. How far off the sure. coast? Like, of course, we're looking all the time, but it seems like it's always nice to have a plan in place while, you know, a plan that you can abandon at any time if you see something. Absolutely. So what I tell people, if they're bringing the boat, go out of the inlet, turn right south. Once you get to the sea buoy, sort of curl back in towards the beach, run along the beach until you get to the boiler or the new inlet, 
the boiler is a shipwreck that's sticking out of the water right along the beach, so it's a good landmark. When I say along the beach, I mean 100 yards off the beach. You, can, you run really close to the beach right there. A lot of times you'll see them right there at the sea buoy um, and make a big loop. So at the boiler or at the new inlet, head east only a mile or two. We pretty much don't fish for them further out than three miles. And make a big loop all the way around to the other side of the inlet, to the north side of the inlet, maybe where you see the first houses in Nags Head, and loop back to the inlet. And that's pretty much it. If I didn't fish the day before, or I don't have buddies that are already out there, usually I leave before everybody else, but I have buddies that are already out there, then I'll call them. If I don't know anybody out there, I'll make a loop, and usually somewhere in that loop, we'll, we'll see them jumping. And we're not looking, I don't usually stop if I see one or two fish busting the surface. Um, I want to see a hundred fish. And this time of year, this time of year we'll catch them until your arms are tired. So um, it's, it's not even worth stopping to throw at one or two fish or one bird hitting the water. You want to either see 50 birds hitting the water or the water just boiling with fish. And that's a, an everyday occurrence this time of year. From, from the end of August until the beginning of November, that's an everyday thing for us. That's what I was getting ready to ask. At the end of August to the beginning of November, that's an everyday event. Every it's day. action of that size, of that caliber. That's right. We'll catch them until you tell me you want to go do something else because you're tired of catching them. And, and it's gotten to the point where we can only have two people really casting at the same time. So if you come with four people, we'll take turns. If you can make accurate long accurate casts then uh you know we'll catch them and be, they'll take 100 yards of drag in 30 seconds so with four people hooked up it's just a giant mess so really we just sort of rotate through and, and take turns and uh what size are these fish yeah the pictures that i sent you i don't have any pictures of me holding big fish i realized everybody else is holding big fish um <laughs> so they're yeah, they're between, between five pounds and, you know, the later in the year they get, the bigger they get, um, 15 pounds, I think 15, 18 pounds, they, they get very big um, in close towards the end of the season. I think the biggest one we caught last year was 19 and a half pounds, and that was the end of October. Yeah, that's a big false apricot. I don't have a yeah, false apricot that size on my... Yeah, those are ocean-sized fish. And you are certainly not the only captain that is photo-challenged to have photos of themselves. I mean, that's something on the regular. So that yeah. that does not make you unique at all. Man, how about transitioning to tackle? Like, I mean, I think that was a great conditions conversation. What do I want to have on the boat? This is a case where you don't really want to cheap out on your tackle. Um, I, I use that. My, my personal setup is a century eight foot weapon junior which is probably more than most people are gonna that i got from ryan white in hatteras at hatteras jacks but for most people uh like a saint croix avid seven and a half foot medium medium light rod with a three thousand size spinning reel um i like to use super light we really light too um, 15 pound braid with a real long 15 pound fluorocarbon leader, maybe a 20 pound fluorocarbon leader. Uh, fluorocarbon's important. We're fishing in fairly clear water. Their eyesight is great. And they're the spookiest fish. You know, it's like, sometimes it feels like you're fishing for bonefish. 
um, it'll, it'll drive you crazy making 200 casts to figure out what those fish are keyed in on. Um, but yeah, anything, any decent reel, you don't want to use that super cheap reel because I've literally melted the top of the drag spool into the top of the drag washers into the spool from them taking so much drag so fast. Uh, so, you know, you don't want to cheap out on your gear too much. When you say a really long fluoro leader, um, 15 pound or 20 pound and you're what's like three, really three long feet. to you. Okay. Three feet is long to me. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just enough so that, uh, you, know, you can cut your lure off three or four times, five or six times without having to retie a leader and still have, you know, plenty of flora there. I'm um, also, I don't net these fish. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I don't net these fish. I don't even carry a net on the boat. Um, so, you know, you don't want to grab braid when you're going to leader that fish. You know, obviously you want to avoid grabbing the braid because that fish will dive sometimes and then cut your fingers pretty bad. Is this the part of the conversation where you're going to tell me about lure selection? I know we're talking about lure positioning sure. next, but is, is tackle when you're going to tell me what you like to throw at them? Yeah, absolutely. So I brought a few examples too. My, I've pretty much three lures that we rotate through. Um, you can see this here. So it's Albi snacks. These are Albi snacks made by fish snacks lures. It's um, pretty much like a bass fluke rig. It's an unweighted lure. It's and it's going on these uh, Mustad Kevin Van Dam three uh grip pin hooks. So you can see right here, there's this tiny little pin and that pin holds the lure nice and straight right there. It's really important to have that lure perfectly straight when you cast it. These, while it's an unweighted lure, this thing will cast a mile if you use one of those light tackle rigs like I was talking about. Um, and when you cast this out, you want to, as soon as this lure hits the water, close the bale with your fingers and reel as fast as you can. The thing should be skipping out of the water. And this is a great lure to use for people who aren't great anglers because it's like the crazier you reel it, the more it's bouncing through the water, the crazier you reel it, the more you move the rod tip around, it seems like the better strike you get. Um, so then the second hey, one that we use. Let me sure. ask a follow-up yeah. question on that. So the one you held up was pink. I'm going to tell that because some people might be listening to the podcast instead of watching the podcast. Oh, sure. Is pink yep. the favorite? Is it, do you make a point to have a couple of colors? Is that important? Yeah, I do have a couple of colors. Pink pretty much is what we throw 80% of the time. They make an amber, make an amber also that's on this side here. They make amber and they make, they just started making a lemon meringue, a yellow one, which has worked pretty well too. But you'll see as I'm holding up these lures, pink is pretty much what I throw. Pink, pink and yellow, pink and chartreuse, pretty much what I'm throwing. 95% of the time. If I were to ask you to play a guessing game, any idea why pink is works so well with them? I have no idea. Yeah. I, I set that up <laughs> by saying a guessing really... game. I didn't want to like yeah, I, put you in an odd. All right. Well, let's a lot keep of going. I want to see option. You know, they're, they're on these, these red worms that sometimes we get at the tide line. We'll see a bunch of the red worms and, and they'll be mixed in with that. I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, or if it's just a silhouette that they like. Um, but the, the thing that I like about throwing these Albi snacks lures is sort of a side note, but this time of year, especially in October, we have a lot of chicken sized dolphin that move in very close to the beach. Uh, we catch them off the piers occasionally out of kayaks, 
but we really catch them very regularly. And these Albi Snacks lures will draw the most fun mahi-mahi bites while we're albacore fishing. So we all, we're, if, if, if there's two people fishing, one person is always throwing this lure, even if it's not getting bites, one person is stuck throwing this Albi Snacks lure the entire trip. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> so then the, the next one we use is a hoagie epoxy jig. Um, you know, sting silver will work. I like these hoagie epoxy jigs. Uh, they cast really far. They're kind of clear. Again, it's, this one's pink. I think this one's electric chicken. So it's pink with a green belly. Um, we release 90% of the false albacore that we catch, 95% of the false albacore we catch. We'll keep one if we're drum fishing that night. You know, false albacore makes great drum bait. Um, so I'll keep one for bait, but really we try to release all of them. So I take the treble hook off of the hoagie jig or the sting silver and put on an inline one-aught jig hook. And I don't feel like we miss any fish at all. Um, you know, the hookup ratio I don't think is any different. If you use the proper hook, these are VMC, extra strong, large ring hooks. As you can see, what, let's say three, $3.99. They're inexpensive. And, um, you know, it's so much easier to get those hooks out of the fish's mouth. In fact, we'll bend the barbs down on them a lot of times too, just, just because we're releasing all of these fish. Uh, we can talk about that more when we get to fish handling. And the last thing that we use is any of these little topwater kind of stick baits. Uh, these are strategic angler stick baits, but they're three inches, three and a half inches. They cast nice and far. Again, they have singles on them. Uh, these are made in North Carolina. So we like to support local lure companies, but I've got a ton of these different. These are nice. Again, the dolphin will eat, the mahi will eat these too. Um, and, and we throw those also. So pretty much the other person is, is uh, rotating back and forth between the hoagie epoxy jigs and the strategic angler, any of the strategic angler lures in the three to four inch size. But again, one person's always stuck throwing these soft plastics. So the, uh, a couple of, just a couple of follow-ups. So the sting silver lure, that's, what is that? Is that a three inch? Is that four inch? And, and how heavy? Yeah, Again, we a, have some people that are listening. Three inch, seven eighths ounce is the one that I like the best. Um, and so I buy them, I don't know, 40 at a time or something. Our local tackle shops don't sell them. In fact, our local tackle shops don't sell Abbey snacks either. So if you're in the Outer Banks area, start bugging the guys at the tackle shops to sell them. <laughs> so I don't have to order them like this. Um, so I, I, these are all things that I have to order, unfortunately. Uh, but but the, everybody sells sting silvers, and the sting silvers are work um, in place. The epoxy jigs, no problem. And then those top baits, do they come single hook, or do you rig those out single hook as well? No, they come with no hooks. Cheap. Um, yeah, they they come with no hooks. We, I mean, we believe it or not, we use these for yellowfin tuna. Also, when the when the tuna are keyed in on really small baits, we catch fifty pound yellowfin tuna with those too. So I'll switch them to heavier hooks, but. Um, yeah, they come unrigged, and you can you can leave go. the treble hooks on. It's not a problem. You need to you don't need to cut them off. Just you know, uh, try to release those fish as healthy as we can to get them back in the water. Yeah, I understand the the mentality about a quicker release, a more healthy release, not tearing up the mouth or you know what's around the mouth. Um, damn, what was oh I had one more question, and then I think we're moving into boat lure position. And the, a question was. Okay. 
you got a you got a certain knot you like to use to tie those lures on to the fluoro. Yep, I use a regular like a fly knot, a, a loop knot um, on all of those lures. I use a loop knot. I pretty much use a loop knot for everything, even even for tuna stick bait. I use a different kind of loop knot, but everything. I feel like even a little half inch loop in there lets the lure move around a little bit better. So um, you just need to remember to check every three or four fish. You got to check that loop a little bit um, to make sure it hasn't worn through. Like I said, those fish will take a hundred yards of drag really fast. And uh, you know, just every time I'll run my hand down the line just to make sure his tail hadn't touched that leader or anything like that. Well, man, let's go to boat position and lure position and like however you want to approach this conversation. I know it's important and uh, I want to hear what you have to say. Sure. I try to albacore fish where there aren't other boats. If there's two or three other boats on a school, I don't usually even stop there. If the larger inshore fleet, you know, the guys that are out there trolling for Spanish mackerel and ribbon fish, those guys are usually being a big loop in a big circle and they're catching false albacore too, but they're catching them on you know, 50 wides with a planer, which isn't that much fun to me. Um, so those fish, once the albacore have been run over three or four times, they go down and they're not coming back up. Um, so I try to find my own school away from everybody else. Again, that's not really a problem this time of year. Um, well, approaches, we sort of sit back for a few minutes and watch to see what the school is doing. Don't just run up right on the school. You drift over top of it and the fish are going to go down and, you got to find a different school or back off and wait for them to, to come back up. The reason they're busting out of the water like that is they're rounding up bait balls and they're pushing the bait balls from down deep. You can watch them on the depth finder, pushing the bait balls from down deep up and up and up and up until the bait has nowhere else to go. And if that's when you see the fish jumping out of the water. That's why you see the birds around um, picking up all the scraps. So you sit back, watch to see what the fish are doing, watch to see if it's one school, if it's two schools, uh, and we sort of approach so that they'll cross in front of us. If I see they're moving right to left, we'll go off to the left a little bit. Sometimes I turn the boat off. Sometimes I don't turn the boat off. I'm usually in the tower when we're when the guys down low are fishing, so I can see a little bit better. Everybody on the boat, it's everybody's job to look for fish. So, you know, cell phones are being put down and, and everybody's looking out in different directions. I can't look in every direction at once. So we'll see the fish pull up in front of where they're going. And then you need to be able to make a long, accurate cast. Um, so I'll tell a story I had last year. I had these kids on the boat whose dad was a professional bass angler. And these kids, there's two eight-year-olds and a 12-year-old. And I had an eight-year-old in the tower with me and an eight-year-old on the front of the boat and a 12-year-old on the front of the boat. And all three of these kids could hit the size of a paint can at 30 yards into the wind with an unweighted lure, every single cast. It, it was incredible. I could say three o'clock, 20 yards and all instantly all three of those lines were in the exact right spot. And when you can cast well like that, you're going to get bites. If you throw these heavy epoxy jigs into the middle of the school, half the time you're going to spook that school and they're going to go down. So we try to cast as far as you can every cast. That way, by the time you get the slack out of the line and you get the lure moving through the water the way it needs to be, then you're in the school. Instead of just casting right at the school, then you close the bail, then you start reeling, and by those two or three seconds, your lure has sunk out of the strike zone. So around the edges of the school, 
as far as you can, every single cast. That way, by the time you're getting the lure moving through the water, it's in the strike zone. So are you positioning the boat so that those fish will eventually run into you? Or are you positioning the boat so that they'll eventually run by you, ideally? By me, yes, in front of me is the goal. I mean, you obviously can't tell where they're going to go exactly, but the, the best way to have them come is, is to have them come right in front of the boat. And so I'm casting that fish, theoretically, I'm casting that fish sort of heading in my direction, and I would be... I would more get an instruction from you to cast to the left or the right of the school instead of right in front of the school, right on the school, or even on the far side of the school and bring it back in, left on the sides in that capacity? That's right, on the sides, or or on the other side of it to bring it right through the middle. If it's a huge school, the, the bigger the school is, the less likely they are to go down, to spook. So when we find a really big school, especially if we have beginners on the boat, people that can't cast very well, I'll sort of skip these smaller schools and really just try to find a thousand fish boiling out of the water. It's a lot harder to spook that school. You can usually pick off a few more. If the fish do go down, you just sort of sit there for a few minutes and look around, turn the motor off and listen. A lot of times you'll hear them before you see them. And uh, turn the motor off and see where they pop back up. A lot of times they'll pop back up 15 or 20 yards away and you don't even need to move. You can just cast to them again. If you just try to chase them, and chase them and chase them. You're just going to keep spooking them and pushing them down. And another question I was just sort of had thinking here, um, and you've mentioned it and other captains have, but I don't think I ever asked them to sort of qualify the answer is like, when you have them cast, why is it that you want them to manually flip the bale instead of just the old reel and flip the bale? Because that little mechanism that trips the bale, is just a little piece of plastic. And so when I take 220, 230 charters a year and everybody's, turning that handle that's the first thing that's going to wear out on these reels so if you manually flip the bale you're not using that plastic bale trip that's going to break my fishing reels and if these fish are on the surface the instructions are pretty steadfast reel in as fast as you can yeah that's all i tell people all day real faster real faster and you're using small reels you're using 2500 or 3000 size reels so you really need to be cranking that reel as fast as you can. Something we didn't talk about when we were talking about the, the epoxy jigs or the sting silvers, it's best to point that rod tip almost exactly at that lure and try to keep the rod tip still while you're cranking. As opposed to the Albi snacks, the plastic ones, where it doesn't matter what you're doing with the rod tip because you want it like that. But this one, the, the jigs, you really want to try to keep the rod tip still and reel as fast as you can. If not, this lure will spin all around and it doesn't work quite as well. So it, it has an unnatural action if you let the tip mm -hmm. move too much. Which is but a hard thing to do to reel that fast. Yeah. And then how do you coach your clients once they get that hookup, once they get the bite? Well... The lures are moving so fast through the water that you don't need to set the hook. I mean, you're, you're reeling as fast as you can. The fish is usually hitting that lure and turning away. Sometimes it'll reel, run right at the boat and you think it got off and it's still there. But usually they'll hit that bait and turn away. So you don't. it's not like bass fishing. You don't need to rip their lips off. You just keep reeling. And you'll know when he's on there. Um, then keep the rod tip up and just keep cranking. I have the drag set fairly light because we're using such light leader. Um, you don't want to just reel against the drag for 
five minutes, if you hear that noise of the drag and you look down and your spool is spinning while you're reeling, you're not gaining any line. So, you know, just like any larger fish, pull back on the rod smoothly, start reeling, reel the rod tip down and just slowly working back to the boat. Um, and so then we have two people hooked up at once. I told you I don't have a net on the boat. Um, so we get the fish next to the boat. Usually when he sees the boat, he'll run again. So whoever's, whoever's fish is closest, I'll just kneel down. I grab him by the tail, lift him out of the water, take a picture. And we release him. We really put a sort of bullet him head first down into the water to give him a little head start to, to take off again. If he's really gut hooked or something, that's the one we'll keep for surf fishing bait that evening. And why no net? What is it that you prefer? Why is um, it that just, you prefer the hand grab? It's just I can release them a lot faster that way. Um, if you grab them by the tail, you know, sort of with your with your hands around his tail, with the you know the fork of his tail right there between your two fingers, you can reach in, you can grab them, you can unhook them. You don't need to. The fish go crazy just like a tuna. You know they go crazy. It, when they're in the net, everything gets tangled up. All your gear is tangled up. These soft plastic lures will break. Um, your hooks get tangled up in the net. It's just easier for me to just to grab them. If you want to wear gloves, you can wear gloves too. But uh, it's just, they go, so it'd be like trying to net a tuna. I mean, they just go nuts. And then, you know, the faster you can get them back in the water, the better chance they have of surviving. And is, is, do you have anything else to share about the fish handling? Like other than that, I mean, I told you, you know, you said you like bowled them back into the water, give them a, a, a good entry back in. Is, is that, does that conclude that? Or is there something else you need to sort of help us out with? I think that's about it for, for getting them back in the water. I mean, we just, just try to get, you know, we try to tell people when you take the fish out of the water, hold your breath. And <laughs> when you have to breathe, that fish probably has to breathe too. So when you, you know, you're leaving three or four of them on the deck to get everybody else's in and take pictures all together and all that. And the fish has a lot poorer chance of survival. So, um, you know, try to only keep that fish out of the water as long as you can hold your breath. Obviously things happen that it doesn't always work out, but it's sort of what we try to do. Okay. So we've gone through this sort of schedule material is, is that time period laid off? That's the best time, but that's not the only time. Are you seeing these fish? Can you see these fish throughout or, or really target that Absolutely. fall time? And we, we catch them in the spring, um, especially when we're leaving Oregon Inlet and heading to Hatteras to drum fish in the boat. You know, we'll leave Oregon Inlet and head to south to Hatteras. We'll see those bigger ocean false albacore in close along the beach in March and April. Um, and we catch them all year while we're tuna fishing way offshore you know, 30 miles offshore, you catch them all year, but this is really the best shot. And all summer, there'll be one or two schools of them around. Um, you can also catch these fish off the piers with, with gotcha plugs. Um, when it does blow east, we didn't talk about that, but when it does blow east, uh, it pushes that nice Gulf Stream water in, and it's a great time to go to the local piers, go all the way to the end right before sunset, catch Spanish mackerel and false albacore. Tons of fun. Man, in the fall, are those fish moving south or are they moving north? I heard you ask that question on the last False Albacore podcast, so I was ready for that. I don't remember. So <laughs> he, he said that they were, he thought that they were going south, and I do agree they're probably going south 
but I think a lot of them are coming in also. I think they're moving in from offshore um, because it's the same size fish that we're catching offshore two months ago. So I, I believe those fish are moving in, um, whatever they're eating, following it closer to the beach. I didn't remember that I asked Andy that question. That's why I'm good. Again, I would say that's part of why I'm good at this job, <laughs> yeah. not bad at this job. Man, uh, this has been a great conversation. If this is the end of our conversation about false albacore, I'm content. But before we say it's the end, I just want to put it back to you, John. Anything I haven't set you up to say, anything else left to share, anything along what to avoid, what to make sure you're doing, you know, we'll take any final thoughts you got. You just want to be courteous to the other anglers that are out there. You know, you don't want to run up on somebody's school when you see one or two boats catching fish. If you run up to that school of fish, um, you know, chances are you're going to push them down or you're going to end up in the middle of somebody's drift. There, there are plenty of these fish out there. Um, also, they're terrible to eat, so you don't need to keep more than you're going to use for bait for a day or two. Um, I see some pictures of people keeping a dock full of false albacore because there's no limit, but they're absolutely disgusting to eat. They're dark red, <laughs> bloody. Um, so I don't know why people keep as many as they do, but um, if somebody thinks I'm wrong about that, please tell me. I'd be happy to try a recipe for them, but uh, we haven't found a good way to cook them yet. So <laughs> I think that's um, all I have someone's going to reach out like they <laughs> already they did do. after that other one and you better hold your word john Berquist, <laughs> and try that recipe i will i'm not i'm not going to try it <laughs> i'm just going to say whatever you, you can have it whatever yeah disgusting hey one last question i just feel like my listeners viewers like specifics and you know so when you're cruising around you've made that right turn and you're making a big loop looking for fish man are you are you are you going fast? You're on plane. Like what's your, what's your preference for how fast to be going when you're in search mode? Yeah, we're, we're going pretty fast be, because the schools are so that we're looking for are so large this time of year. Um, and, and it's so easy to see those fish. And I do have a tower and I spend most of my time in the tower, which makes it a little bit easier to see. I guess if you have a good pair of binoculars, you could stop, scan an area and move again. But really, once you realize what you're looking for, it's not difficult to find them. And I know that you guys have great false albacore fishing in the fall down your way. In fact, I used to take my boat to Atlantic Beach in October and false albacore fish down there. Um, we do a little fly fishing for them also. Um, but there, there are people here who are much better at that than I am. So I just refer that business out. But once I learned that those fish are great here in my backyard and so easy to find, um, just run around, I don't know, 20 miles an hour or something, wherever you're comfortable and have everybody in the okay. boat looking in different directions. Hey, uh, since you're a first time guest on the podcast, let's finish with, uh, give us a little bit more about drumbeat charters. Tell us, uh, walk us through the uh, fishing calendar, where you are in the spring, summer and fall and what you're targeting. Sure. Um, we usually start March. Um, end of February, beginning of March, vertical jigging for blackfin tuna and hatteras. Um, that's really weather dependent. It's hard to plan a vacation around uh, blackfin tuna fishing, but uh, it's some of the best in the world jigging for blackfin out of hatteras. Um, into April, beginning of May, we're sight fishing for large red drum. Um, 
also down in Hatteras. We do run from Oregon Inlet down to Hatteras most of the time. So those are full day trips. Tuna fishing starts getting good April and May also into June. So we're sight fishing for yellowfin tuna. Um, end of June, July, August, it's mostly family fishing, wreck fishing. Um, we're dropping for trigger fish. I wanted to comment on that fish picture you showed at the beginning of the show. Never caught a trigger fish on live bait. It's amazing um, to, to catch one, especially one that that's big. That's an incredible trigger fish. So did a lot of trigger fishing, sea bass fishing, um, all, all kinds of wreck fishing. And then starting now, it's two-thirds false albacore, one-third yellowfin tuna. All right, man. That is an impressive list, especially for a, I'm going to call you a smaller boat guy because you're far from a sport fisher, man. That's an impressive list of target species, man. And uh, I'm glad we found you. Core fishing. Uh, I hope to fish with you myself one day. And I also hope to have you back on the podcast next year, man. This has been a great conversation. Great. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, John, have a good night. Y'all too. Oh, Billy, Gary, that's good, man. I love albacore fishing, so I learned a lot. This is an episode where I'm going to have a best takeaway as well. Oh, good. Well, maybe maybe it'll match because I got three or four takeaways, but I'm only going to share one since that's the deal, and I'll see if your takeaway matches one of my other takeaways. Oh, it won't. Oh, it's because you're smarter than me. Is that no? I'm just kidding. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my. This is a lot. This is a lot of them. But the one that I thought was the most interesting is when you're chasing these schools around, if they do go down, just turn off the motor and listen because you're likely to hear them before you'll see them again. So I thought that was pretty interesting because I've been a few times, not on my boat, obviously, and you know we'll just run and gun to somewhere else and try to find other schools or whatever. So I, I thought that was interesting just to like, do the exact opposite of what I've experienced and just shut the motor down and wait. That's my best. I think that was a good tip, man. That is a good Billy's best takeaway. Um, Gary's best takeaway is self-serving and it is, man, John and I have something in common. My favorite rod to use when throwing at Benita or Benito here out of Wrightsville topsail, et cetera, is an eight foot century rod from Ryan at Hatteras Jack. And I don't even know, but unlike John, I don't even know what model it is. I just know it's an eight foot century that I love to throw lures long distances at these fast critters, man. I mean, it's my favorite rod for that purpose. And so as soon as he said that, I'm like, yes, look at me. I will also (laughs) throw in a century rod story that that was the first time I went albacore fishing However, I think the century rod I have, whatever model it is, is for, like, trout fishing. And so my buddy on the boat was like, you don't want to throw that at these albacore. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I do. And it, and I had, like, a BG 2500 on it. And he's like, "You, that's a trout rod, dude. This is going to get smashed. I'm like, no, it's a good rod. It's going to work. And, dude, it did, man. I, I still have that rod. And I still fish with it all the time. And, I, I mean, it took me a little – I mean, if you're talking about fish and trying to – you know, save, I switched rods because it, it took me a while to get one in. I mean, I'm going to say that. Gotcha. So that fish probably died. But um, that's another thing, too, man. Hold your breath is when you catch that fish, put it in the boat, <laughs> hold your breath and see if you survive <laughs> as long as you keep that fish out. I thought that was a pretty good tip. Um, so really, really cool. And really enjoyed John. That was the first time I met him, Gary. So long distance high five on bringing on a great guest with some amazing content.
It's awesome. Yeah, man. Good episode. Great episode. Why don't you uh, thank our sponsors and we'll call it a wrap. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once again, thank you, Marine Warehouse Center. Thank you, R.A. Hitch. And thank you, uh, Manscaped. And be sure to go to manscaped.com. Fish Post is a coupon code to get you 20% off and free shipping. Gary, we'll see you in the next episode. Fish and